0: The US election is upon us, finally, and record numbers of people have voted in the pre-polling period. Images of hundreds of people queuing at polling stations have peppered the American election coverage, with some waiting hours in the cold to cast their vote. Here in Australia, commentators have observed how our compulsory voting and automatic voter registration have led to more genteel scenes at the polling booth, cake stalls and democracy sausages for all, and a ballot sheet often longer than your arm. But following a record breaking fire season this summer and the COVID pandemic having no clear end in sight, the Australian government has launched an inquiry into how Australians vote and how it can be done safely when, for example, your polling station is on fire, or a global plague makes in-person polling inadvisable. One solution, already embraced in countries such as Estonia, Brazil, and the United States, is electronic voting, either online, avoiding the problem of people gathering in one place, or using machines at a polling station. I'm Caitlin McHugh. You're listening to Think Digital Futures. Our lives are moving more online. Working, shopping and banking can all be done from in front of a screen in the comfort of our own homes. And disasters like bushfires and the COVID pandemic could limit our ability to vote in person. So should Australia expand electronic voting? Advocates say it will make election results faster and voting more accessible. Cryptography and cybersecurity experts say most types of electronic voting systems will never be completely free of the risk of fraud or interference. Distinguished Professor Jim McNamara from the University of Technology School of Communications says Australia has historically been an early adopter when it comes to democracy.
1: Australia has a a fairly proud history uh, in democratic rights. Um, We might argue that we need to improve it further, but uh, certainly the rights to vote, um, putting aside our our rather bad performance with Indigenous Australians, uh, we were early to provide the vote to women. We were early to ensure secret uh, voting.
0: In 1856, South Australia, Tasmania and Victoria passed laws requiring a standard ballot at elections, with all the candidates' names listed. Previously, people voted with a party ballot or by simply telling a polling person who they wanted to cast their vote for.
1: And Australia's been moving into trialling electronic voting in the ACT uh, and in New South Wales. In the 2016 federal election, uh, the Electoral Commission uh, distributed more than 1,500 uh, electronic voting lists that were used uh, in pre-polling. And so there's been steps in that direction.
0: This isn't to say we should be jumping into expanded electronic voting head first.
1: To go to electronic voting in total, you need a complete system, everything from the lists of voters uh, through to the collection of the votes through to the counting of the votes. Um, And so it's more than just simply going to a PC and clicking on a voting card. Uh, There's all the lists beforehand, there's all the counting afterwards. Uh, You do need a very uh, substantial, sophisticated and very secure system.
0: In the ACT's election last month, the voting period was spread out over three weeks as a COVID social distancing measure. It worked. 63% of votes were cast before election day and of those, 90% were cast electronically. ACT residents exercised their democratic rights without the crowds and sausage sizzles that usually accompany an election.
2: Like, um, I got up on Saturday, um uh, there was no democracy sausage for me. I just went down to my local polling area, which wasn't very far away.
0: This is Tom Sear, an industry fellow at University of New South Wales, Canberra, Cyber, and an ACT resident.
2: I walked into the booth. Um, they ask you to use the sanitizer. And you walk over to a um, person with, an, as you would know, somebody marking you off the quote roll. They've got the, the COVID Plastic up in front of them, and then they give you um, a, Q, a little QR code for that particular vote. So that's like a, a quick response code. It's like a bar. It's like a super barcode, like a matrix barcode. And you go over and you put it under a machine that looks like I don't know, like a scanner, a barcode scanner at the supermarket, and it opens up your vote on the screen, and you number it one, two, whatever, and yeah, yeah. Um, You throw, you say, that's, that's, I agree, that's okay, you just hit return, basically, on the touch screen, and then you throw out the QR code as you leave. So
0: far, so convenient. But Tom and others have concerns around the transparency of the ACT's voting system. In previous years, the code was openly available to the public, and anyone who wanted to check it could.
3: If you looked at Elections ACT's website,
0: even during
3: right up to after the early voting period had begun, it continued to have very explicit language about how open and transparent and easily available the code was.
0: This is Vanessa Teague, CEO of Thinking Cybersecurity and professor at the Australian National University.
3: But when I emailed them a little bit before the early voting period began and said, so about this open and transparent code, uh, where's the 2020 version? They responded, not with the code, but with a non-disclosure agreement, which said uh, a researcher was allowed to access the code, but only if they promised to keep their findings secret for at least 60 days.
0: This kind of transparency is important, and Vanessa's concerned that it wasn't available for the 2020 ACT election. Making people put in an FOI request means fewer people can scrutinise the code and make sure it's secure. And making them sign a non-disclosure agreement means that if they do find problems, they can't report them to the public.
3: There was no way of examining the software in time to even tell the public what you'd found for example if we had signed the non-disclosure agreement found that the privacy bug had not been fixed and wanted to warn people the non-disclosure agreement would have made that impossible (laughs) and there's absolutely no chance of actually correcting problems in time for voting because it wasn't was basically impossible to get access to the code more than a day or two before Uh, people started using it.
0: These aren't problems you generally face with physical voting. Tampering with boxes of ballots is a very different proposition to interfering with electronic votes. Um, With paper,
2: there's one record and that record exists for all time in a sense. If you put your mark on it, it's on a physical piece of paper it's put in a box and then it, you know that you can see the box, you know where the box is, you know where the paper is. It's, it's one of the security mechanisms of the Australian system actually because there's so many people watching the system, it's much harder for you to say you wanted to affect a booth. There'd be like 18 of your fellow citizens getting paid and invested in the system. You'd have to go and work to get around all those people just to do one booth. With any electronic voting, the first thing you do is create a whole heap of metadata, which is data about the vote, and so that means you can you begin to learn a lot more about how you might access that data. But also, it has to be stored electronically, whereas paper—it's a requirement to keep the ballots that we do use, and they sit in a warehouse somewhere for a number of years in case there's some issue, and then I guess they're pulped or destroyed. But uh, as you know, any data that's sitting around on any computer that's potentially accessible to the web uh, is potentially hackable. And that's votes that you
0: still have to be physically present at the polling booth to cast. New South Wales has used an internet voting system in elections past, which has its own problems, says Vanessa.
3: These were two closely related systems sold by the same company to two different places, one to Switzerland and the, uh, for Swiss Post uh, and one to New South Wales for the iVote system. The system was designed to have some very fancy cryptographic proofs of correctness. So the idea was that each system is obviously receiving a bunch of encrypted votes from ordinary voters, and these votes have to be, first of all, they have to be shuffled so that we don't know uh, which decrypted vote came from which person, And secondly, they have to be decrypted, right, so that you can read them and then use them in the count. And the computer that is doing the shuffling and decryption obviously is a potential serious point for manipulation or failure because that computer, if it malfunctions and, for example, changes or substitutes or drops or adds votes, then that can completely change the election outcome. So this system was designed to provide some fancy cryptographic proofs that it had done the right thing. First, a fancy cryptographic proof that it had shuffled correctly and that the set of encrypted input votes matched the set of encrypted output votes, even though they looked different. And second, a proof that it had decrypted properly. So you could test, you're supposed to be able to test whether the list of encrypted votes properly corresponded to the list of decrypted votes that were about to be counted. So you can see why both of these proofs were important. Uh, unfortunately, both of them were buggy and we showed in both cases that it was possible to build something that looked like a convincing proof and passed the verification that was specified in both the swiss system and the ivote system but nevertheless to have actually fiddled the
0: votes The New South Wales Electoral Commission responded to the discovery by Teague and her colleagues, saying the New South Wales system doesn't have the same vulnerabilities. The machine that processes the votes is in a secure facility, which a malicious actor would need to gain access to to alter votes. And their staff's duties are specifically separated, so no one person could pull off such an attack. Other countries use internet voting far more widely than Australia, but the Swiss vote bugs have meant that Switzerland, at least, needs to reconsider the technology it uses at elections.
3: There are places that do a better or worse job of administering their internet voting systems. I think the Swiss, I'll be really interested to see what happens in Switzerland after these discoveries. So the Swiss have this very open process of very actively examining and rethinking the way that they're doing it. The Estonian system also has some of the kinds of cryptographic verification that we could hope for, but not all of them and not perfectly. And uh, they still haven't solved the problem of accurately authenticating voters, for example. So there are... There are remaining issues, even in the countries that are doing a vastly better job than Australia.
0: In the US, while internet voting has only been rolled out for specific voters this year, electronic voting machines have been the norm for many elections. These come with their own risks if the machines themselves are physically tampered with.
2: One of the issues with the US-based systems is that they're running uh, systems which are usually quite old, and you may not turn them on between elections and, and and the next election. So that means all the bugs that were part of whatever the operating system was at the time it may not be updated by your whoever was starting it up. The code might not be transparent. They're famously tested at the DEF CON every year. And so there's a voting, a voting hacker village every year. And I guess I think in 2017, one of those devices was within about 15 minutes, Rick by someone, so they, they managed to in, in, um, enroll themselves um, and get it to play a song back when you tried to vote. Um, and I think it only took about 15 minutes, and there's a case when they did get teenagers to do some fairly, fairly simple hacking against those sort of devices.
0: Although Vanessa points out, in some cases the US has more scrutiny, at least of its electronically counted votes. I
3: mean, the good example in the US is similar but not quite the same to what we do in the Senate. A thing that is very common in the more enlightened parts of the United States is that people vote on a piece of paper, then the votes are counted using an electronic scanner, which is quite fast, and then they do a rigorous post-election audit in which they take the electronic results and go back and fish out the paper ballot record and check that the paper ballot record accurately matches the scan. Now, we could do that in the Senate, but we don't. Instead, we just trust this totally inscrutable piece of software, which incidentally happens to come from the same company that provided the New South Wales iVote and Swiss Post system.
0: And we just assume it scans right. And despite security concerns, Tom acknowledges that for some voters, some form of electronic voting is essential.
2: Well, it's obviously been important for disability access. I mean, in New South Wales, I think somebody sued because they couldn't use use it in Braille in 2004, 2005. And so for vision-impaired people who can just be audio, talk through the process, it's a better, like it's a more secure and secret process for them. So certainly for certain people, it's indispensable,
0: I think. The government is keen to see more electronic voting. After the 2016 federal election, both Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten suggested it be expanded. After it took a week to finalise who had actually won government.
1: We've had Prime Ministers, um, I think, over the last four or five years, and Prime Ministers both on Labor and Liberal sides of politics supporting electronic voting. The Australian Electoral Commission has, has, has made a number of moves in that direction, and, in fact, there's been a number of standing committees and inquiries into it. Uh, they've, all, they've all come up with general support for electronic voting, but they've also all come up with concerns about safety and security, transparency of the system,
0: But internet voting simply isn't the way to go, says Vanessa. There are some less risky, lower-tech solutions available.
3: There, There have been actually a number of other experiments, including by the West Australian Electoral Commission and I believe South Australia, that have just been a nice, simple scheme, primarily Um, primarily intended for voters with a physical disability that prevented them from using their own pencil and filling in their own ballot paper, that have just run a computer in a polling place which helped a person to enter a ballot electronically and print out a paper ballot that they could check and then fold up and then stick in the ballot box with everybody else's paper ballot. That is actually a really good system, in my opinion, that has a lot of the advantages and very few of the disadvantages of... Are more complicated
0: solutions. And while we entrust our money and personal details to all sorts of online institutions, voting presents a particularly hard problem.
3: The thing that makes electronic voting so much harder than electronic anything else like banking or whatever is that there's this tremendous combination of very strict privacy requirements with a huge incentive to fiddle the results. So in voting, unlike banking or anything else, we expect our vote to be private, even from the people who are administering the system, right? You don't don't want the electoral authorities to find out how individuals voted. And in a paper ballot box-based system, they don't. But it's actually incredibly hard to design an electronic system that hides how a person, how individuals voted, even from the people administering the system. And given that tremendously strong privacy requirement... It's really, really hard to give evidence that all of the votes were accurately entered and publicly and properly tallied, right? If you didn't care about the secret ballot, you could make a public display of how everybody had voted and give everybody the chance to check that their vote was accurately included and then give everybody, in the, every member of the public, the opportunity to look at the list and see whether the votes had been properly counted. But you can't do that with votes because we want to make sure that each individual's vote is secret to them. So this combination of trying to keep each individual ballot secret while trying to provide public evidence that all of the votes were properly recorded and accurately tallied and not manipulated or accidentally dropped is actually really, 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 really hard and much harder than your kind of generic security problem uh, for other kinds of systems on the internet.
0: Until we can say for sure that internet voting is secure and that people can know for sure their vote has been cast correctly, the best way is the old way, says Vanessa. A piece of paper with your vote on it.
3: I mean, I think the answer is pretty simple, right? I think that a system that doesn't actually provide genuine opportunity to verify that your vote got through to the right place is actually not enfranchising anybody. Right. We might be giving people the illusion that they're being enfranchised because we give them a sort of cheerful voting-like experience, but if in fact their vote is not really secret and is actually very easily manipulated by a dozen different parties along the way, then we are not actually enfranchising people. And so I don't think we know how to do secure internet voting in a way that works for Australia, and I do not think we should be doing that, because it's actually not helping.
0: This podcast is made possible with the support of the University of Technology Sydney and 2SER Community Radio. This episode was made on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded.